God can do anything, but uh, I can say with some level of confidence, the net would not be the net without a few men in my life. And uh, one of those men is Paul Stanley. And, um, and that's, uh, you're going to hear a little bit about that tonight. You'll, you'll hear some echoes of his convictions and his views biblically and his challenge. You'll hear some of that as echoed through what I'm sharing. I'm a marked man, guys. There are men, some of you men that are here that have marked me. And, and that's really the overflow of what the net is. So for some of you new guys, the, 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 the format for each evening, that this is our format until about May, and then we're going to take a break for summer, and then we'll tweak it for the fall to be a little bit more effective. But it's a, it's a time of just reading the Word, and then after the Word, it's a time of testimony, and then it's a time of teaching. And then we, what we hope, the purpose of that is to get condition the heart, prepare and open the heart for some meaningful conversations at the table. So that it's, it's purposeful, it's by design, and uh, that's the format. This tonight is a little bit different because Paul is going to, you're going to hear a little testimony and some teaching, and then next week we'll move back into that, um, that uh, same format. Um, so tonight's on covenant friendship. Let me start with just a word of scripture. Typically we're moving in through the Psalms. But uh, tonight, I just, in the context of what's being shared, some of you guys, this will be very familiar to you, but let me just read it. And um, this is Ecclesiastes chapter 4. What's familiar is verse 9, but I want to start all the way up at 7. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. Some of you men here are alone tonight. There was a man all alone. He neither had son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. From whom I am toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend him. The cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Let me pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you, Lord, for uh, your word, and that the truth of it just liberates and that there's men here tonight that need to be liberated by your truth. And I pray that it, it would begin its work tonight. God, I just pray you would anoint every word of Paul as he shares about friendship, about brotherhood. And I pray, God, that you would just begin massaging the hearts of these men and preparing them just to uh, take a look at their life and where they are in their relationships and friendships and uh, and just you would begin speaking clearly on where they need to be intentional and take a step further um, into uh, into just brotherhood. God, I thank you for these men. I thank you for the guys that are here. And I also pray for the guys that are not here, that are, that are traveling or out and about. Um, I just pray that you would um, care for them as they're away from the net. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for just the privilege to be able to meet 
hear your word, and just uh, be encouraged by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul Stanley. Well, thank you for letting me be with you. And uh, we've been praying like crazy for months as uh, Russell started to get into this, and this is exciting to be with guys. Um, just speaking to a navigator conference up in Fort uh, Collins last weekend, and uh, there were um, the you had to be leading a Bible study uh, or mentoring someone else to to come to it, and there were about 400 of them, and half of them were men. And so one guy grabbed me and says, "Hey, could you speak to a couple guys?" I was speaking on other subjects, not manhood, but um, they. Uh, he said, "Well, could you?" Um, uh, just have lunch with us. Uh, well, you have a bunch of bo- have a box lunch, and maybe we can grab a place. And some of us want to get to you from the University of uh, Colorado up in Boulder, and and uh, just talk about manhood. And uh, so I said, sure. You know, well, I I I was just standing there talking to somebody, and I got down to to where they all were, and there's this crowds of guys heading in there, and there turned out to be about a hundred guys of that uh, bunch in there. And so we walked in there, and I said, well, we don't have much time. We have a half hour, so what are your questions? And one guy just says, how do you be a man? He says, how do you be a man? I don't see very many. So we, we talked about the whole idea of just uh, uh, have a vision for your manhood, vision for your life. We talked about take initiatives, just keep taking them, take responsibility. Whatever you're given, you do it. And finally, don't go it alone. Don't go it alone. And I said, you know, how many have a trusted relationship that you could trust this person no matter what you are going to do? This guy will stay with you. And about three or four of them raised their hand. And they're just so busy, they're just going. So they're looking for it. They're just uh, eager for it. And, and there's this real power in relationships. And you guys know that. And I just want to just share some thoughts and then a little testimony of how I got into some of these relationships that literally affected my life to what I'm doing here today. I love the idea there. Uh, we're, we're just hardwired for relationships. We didn't come into life and it says, go it alone. No one has all the gifts, so they need complementation. No one has all the capacity, so they need help from other people. And you, you find people who, I, I fly a lot and I sit there and listen, uh, look at, watch people coming, you know, uh, coming and going. And you just sit there maybe waiting for another plane and you just wonder, what's the story behind some of these people? What, what is their story regarding, you know, uh, where they're moving, where their life? Here comes a guy just got out of this dark, uh, you know, Wall Street looking sh- shirt and he's sharp and he's got this sharp, uh, uh, attache case and he's moving down I'm just saying I, I just wonder I just wonder well guess what I wound up seating, uh, sitting next to this guy and uh, so we talked about it and I said let me ask you a question do you have any friends that you could trust would tell everything to he looked at me and he says are you a psychologist I said no 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 just a interested guy and he didn't. You know, so it's, it's amazing, isn't it? How do we just, we're walking, we're looking at that boy, look at that guy, you'd like to be like him. 
I bet if we sat and talked with him, he'd be walking through life alone, but around people. And so um, it's a challenge. Even the challenge of prayer is, um, he read uh, Ecclesiastes 4, boy, if you don't have another to pick you up when you fall, what's going to happen? I, uh, when I, I went to West Point, and when I graduated, I went into the special operations and, and went through this ranger training, and they were teaching us that, um, because it was in the wintertime, and we were up in the mountains for three, uh, three of those months, and they taught us that if you get cold, if you don't have any light or anything to do, to, to, you can't, it's a secure area, you know, you're on a mission, so you wouldn't want to light a fire. So how can you keep this going? And he says, all right, um, everybody take off their clothes, uh, take off the top of their clothes, sheer shirts off. Well, it's about, you know, uh, 20 degrees, and, and so I said, well, well, take it off. He says, yeah, you'll see. And so we got this, uh, we went back to back with this other guy. I our skin touched, and it, uh, and then we threw a, a couple of jackets on the front and then threw a poncho around us both. You cannot believe how warm we were. We, we'd survived hours of just sitting there. We even started to tell jokes to each other because we were so freed up from being... But as soon as we went single, we were cold. We were really cold. And I never forgot that. And it's amazing. And so at first it's kind of, well, I'm not going to do, you know, I, I don't want to do this. Well, boy, if they're telling me it's going to help. We better do anything. Okay, here we go, you know. And then other things. And I, I, you wind up in places. And I played football at Army when, back when Army was using the top 20 every year. And uh, so we got, uh, we played Penn State. They were number three and we were number eight in the nation. And it was huge, big deal, game of the week. And so we got into this and... Uh, if you lined us up man for man, we would have been, everybody would have said, they'll lose. They'll lose. They just don't have it. Sure, they had two guys that were 280. We had guys that were 220. And they were linemen against each other. We were fast. We were smart. We could do different things. But, you know, it was it. So, you know what? In that locker room, we knew we were going to beat these guys. We just knew it because we had each other. We stuck together. We were a synergy. There's synergy that happens. It wasn't 11 guys. It was like 13 guys out there. And I can remember this. And, and the first time we were just hitting like crazy. And they're saying, these guys can never keep that up. We have this little, sim, a little saying, the fourth quarter belongs to us. We were in such great shape. We could just do, we just thought we could do anything. Why? Because this guy, this guy, this guy. It was amazing what happened, the sacrifices. And we wound up winning nine to seven. We walked out there just like tired. You could hardly get us out because we were so, we had given everything on that field for each other. We won. That's the kind of power we're looking for. That's the kind of thing we talk about when we get into displaces, the synergy when people get together. So we need to encourage one another. The Bible speaks of, in Matthew 18, it talks about, you know, if you pray, if, if you two or three come together and agree on any one thing, that, that will my Father in heaven answer. Two or three. It's not just talking about one. Just a, a two or three. He says also where two or three are gathered, there am I in the midst of it. 
So we're gathered in the purposes of God. God God shows up as the fourth person. And I got so excited about that. I even talked, you know, felt that there were three of us in the starting team at Army. And I knew, okay, the three of us, so Jesus is here. Not to play football, but to, to be with us, to talk about this. And it was infectious. And so around all my life, I've just basically looked for for relationships. I was the fifth of five boys. And um, my parents kept trying to get the perfect one, and they finally did. So it just, it just made it. But uh, I, I, my, my, one of my closest friends in life is one of my brothers, who's four years older than I am, and he was the one that tormented me. I blame my psychological problems on him because he was, he was mean to me. He would do all kinds of things, and He'd fire me up, you know, and say the wrong things, and I'd get angry and, and all the rest. And uh, my father would come up to settle the issue, and he'd say, he's, Dad, he's, he's crazy. This kid's crazy. I said, I am not, you know. And he said, yeah, see, there he is. There he goes again, you know. But anyhow, today we are like this. We talk to each other two or three times a week. We pray together. He owns a big company. He's just very successful, loves God. And he claims that I got him into loving God the way he does. Yeah. So we think, encourage one another. Pray for one another. Carry one another's burden. Forgive one another. Confess to one another. I mean, these things are there to be, to be done. And when you do, it's powerful. So we've got a little picture here about uh, when you take a look at things. That, uh, there are three levels of, uh, you've got on your paper, I guess, as well, three levels uh, of just simple uh, way to just categorize them. The first level of uh, friendship is, is casual. It's casual. Now, what are, what's a casual relationship? One that you, you go to church, you see people often enough, you're on a Sunday school class or you're on this or whatever, you, you chat, you get to know each other's name, uh, a little bit, you know, I, I have a lot of fun I've, uh, with uh, names, and I'm not so great at it, but I, I know that somebody, uh, when you first meet him, uh, I talked to this one guy who was phenomenal at names, and I said, how are you so good at names? He says, say the name three times before you you step away from that person. So, hi, Bill. It's good to meet you, Bill. Bill, I really appreciate it. And then when you leave, you say, Bill, thank you. Good to meet you. Good talking with you. I said it three times. And so I, I started to do that. Well, it's interesting. I got a brand new neighbor across the street, and he's working away at it. And I got to know his name because I looked up what happened in the register. So I, I, I found his name and went over there, and I said, Well, Len, boy, that really looks good. That's really good. I like what you're doing. Oh, yeah, well, just so we talked a little bit. Len, it's really been good. I, I really like to get to connect with you. This is, was a Saturday. So I walk away, and I say, I'll well, see you, Len. He never used my name ever. Why? He forgot it. And it was really interesting. I could see him just trying to say, you know, get his name. And so he went back and he says, what's this guy over, over there? What's, it, what's his name? He says, well, I, I know his wife's name. I don't know her. So two days later, I'm driving out of the car. I said, hey, Len, how you doing? Good? And he is going crazy. And I can tell. So he gets back in there somehow, and the next time he sees me, he, he goes, Hey, Paul, how are you doing? You know, good to see you. You know, somehow when you get the name there, it's a great start. You know, it's just, it's connecting. 
And, you know, now that I'm 70, I'm getting the, I'm forgetting things. So that's, uh, how many are 70 or over? We're just, we can kind of, oh, that's it. Well, we'll, we'll see that. It's just, yeah, I don't know. But I just, I love to call people by their names. But that's a casual friend. You know them by their names. You know them by, you've been around, you've enjoyed them, you've chatted a little bit, you might just, you know, do something together. But it's very casual, no commitments, just enjoyable, just connecting, being, you know, there. I know uh, our grandkids, uh, well, actually our kids, when they played sports, we'd be in the stands watching. And so we got to be casual friends with the other parents. And so we would talk about things and all the rest and sitting in the bleachers. That's a casual friend. They're good, good to have. And they're the ones you draw from. Then you take them to the next level is committed, a committed friendship. Now, committed friendship is really important. You meet those people, perhaps in church, uh, places where there are similar uh, interests, and and, uh, they'll uh, actually... Uh, be ones that uh, express more interest in you and you and them. You might be in a serious Bible study together as couples, uh, but you, you're, there's a little bit more. There's a commitment. It's captured by the idea of the Hebrews 10, 24, 25, where it says, let us consider how, how we can, what? Stir one another up to love and to good works. Not neglecting to meet together is a habit of some, but coming together, encouraging one another even more as the day approaches. So we get spurring. We get some, uh, you know, stirring and, and challenging in what we're doing. We, we're starting to get more than just nice little Bible study, but uh, we're talking. We're challenging one another. And, and the same in the Proverbs 27, 17. It says, iron sharpens, uh, sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You get sharpened by this person. You have any of those relationships? You like being with them. You have guys who'll say, you know, that was a good lunch. Boy, I'd like to get together again. And, you know, I'm with these guys. Why? I basically ask a lot of questions. And we talk and we chat and we get into things. Why are you doing that? What's happened here? Hey, did you start that when you were young? No, I didn't. When did you, when did you start it? And he says, well, you know, I, I don't know. And so it, the fellow told his wife, and his wife told me, that's the first time anybody's really asked questions and waited for me to answer. You know, it's just so that is. So, but this is the level where they're starting to be sharpening. You, you meet together. You set times to meet together. You're, you're starting to get into that. And so that's where they, they're committed. You're, you're getting committed to these people. We're starting a little Sunday school class in the church I go to, and, and there, um, because there are a lot of people can't get into small clubs, so, uh, small groups. So uh, we said, well, they want they're free on Sunday, Sunday. So nine o'clock, we we got a bunch of people coming, and so we're talking to these people. Some are we're catching in a little bit more, and they want to talk a little bit more. They want to chat about the lesson afterwards. There's some serious things happening. One guy just started to share with me he lost his job after 30 years, and he's, he doesn't know what to do. He could, he's close to retirement. He's trying to do this. And so I said, well, let's sit down and talk. So we talk more. We pray together. Well, now you'd think he, kind of, he comes in, he gives me this big bear hug the next day or the next time of Sunday. Because why? I showed interest. It's this, this idea. There's some intentionality in that kind of a relationship. So that's the committed but the one that uh, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about, because those are ones, and they lead up there, is the 
covenant one. A covenant means what? Covenant is a promise. It's a promise. It's it's why why you wear this this ring, you know this wedding ring here. I've got a second ring on. I wear it my same left it's because the West Point started the tradition of class rings, but they didn't do it to just to have a tradition. This little thing is gold. It's all the rest. We have a whole ceremony when and everyone gets that that ring. We put it on, and on here it says duty, honor, country. And the reason we put it in the same right along with the wed, uh, wedding uh, ring is because we've made a covenant to our country. You'll never get a West Pointer to back out on anything. They hang together. They hang together. The greatest thing, the, there are a lot of things you do during those four years, but when I left the academy and had this, I joined what they call the Long Gray Line. It's the oldest of all the academies and the deepest in tradition. And I, they would, we would die for each other. When you meet another West Pointer, you immediately. When over in Vietnam, I was a young captain commanding 200 men as an infantryman. And we were in battle all the time. And I met another West Pointer. I went over there and I saw him, hugged him. And we talked. Why? Because there's a covenant that we've got together. It's a covenant. We care for each other. That's what we do. And we're going to help each other, stimulate each other, move us. We've got a, an old boys club that won't quit. If one guy loses a job, they've got a network of guys will call, and before you know it, he's got three job offers. Why? Because we know what's in them, what they're going to do. We trust them. And so these are, these are ways, these are commitments these are areas, and that's what really brings the, uh, the power out of a relationship is commitment. So this covenant, I have to um, go to the Old, Test Old Testament on this. This is Jonathan and David. You all know that. 1 uh, Samuel 18. And let me just get this there and put my glasses down here. 1 Samuel. Let's see, where is 1 Samuel? Is that still in the Old Testament? Yeah, there it is. Okay. This is my boy. I love these two guys. They're really tremendous. And this is what I mirrored my first covenant relationship from. So it says here, after David had finished talking to Saul, Jonathan came. Jonathan was the son of the king. So he was the heir, heir to the throne. He came, uh, became one in spirit with David. He loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house because he knew it was very dangerous. His father wanted to kill him. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as he loved himself. That's the agape love. You sacrifice for this kind of person. It's not that, uh, it's, it's the tough love. Jonathan took off his robe he was wearing and he gave it to David, along with his tunic, and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Whatever, and so that was a kind of a symbol. So if four things happened there. One is, is they were one in spirit, small s. One in spirit. Now what does that mean? Well, they liked each other. They liked being around each other. They had some interest together. What was the commonality of Jonathan and David? They both were what? 
Warriors. They both were warriors. And really good ones. And, and they, they, they began to come together. There's a like on like or attracts. You know, you'll find out as, you know, most, in most cases in marriages, it's opposites attract. But where guys and guys or girls with girls, it's, it's likes attract. And it doesn't mean you can't. One of my very close friends was totally different than I was. But his strong passion for Jesus Christ and the word of God just drew me into him. Because he says, I'm going to get out of you, Paul, all the scriptures and the studies and you can guide me, you possibly can give me. I don't know anything about the Bible. I don't know about the Christian life. I, can't, I don't know what it means to follow Chris. Chris and I, I was teaching a Sunday school class in another church, and, and I was, um, uh, he came up to me afterwards, and he says, he says, you're not getting out of here with making a commitment to me. I said, what? What is, what is that? And he says, he said, you know how to follow God, and I want you to teach me. Now, you can't blow a guy off like that, right? I mean, I said, well, what's your name, by the way? You know. <laughs> so we did. We started. We went here. This guy was totally different than I was. I, I'm an athlete. I, I do athletic things. He, was, uh, uh, he had dogs, and he went hunting. You know, I shot weapons, but not uh, in the Army, not, not the, uh, going out there. You know, I'm a social golfer. Uh, I'm a social hunter. You know, it depends on who's going. Then I'll just go and we'll hang out together. But it's just, he just absolutely loved it. He loved plants. He loved carpentry. He designed, I mean, he was a cabinet maker. Well, I mean, I'm just, you know, I got three thumbs. You know, I just, it doesn't there. Well, we didn't, but his passion, I couldn't shake him off. Somebody said to me, he says, well, hey, who's that guy? He's a strange guy. What are you doing with him? And I said, well, he's got a passion like mine. What kind of passion is that? He just wants to love Jesus and follow him. And he wants to get to know this Bible. And I can't get rid of him. I mean, he's going to be, every time, you know, he's calling me up. He's showing up at the door. And so fortunately, he was a, is a credible social guy. But you know what? We got so close. And one time, you know, we lived by donations in the ministry by faith and uh, went behind some tough things. And our kids were in college. And Terry came over, called me up, and he says, hey, how's it going, by the way, and your, your finances? And I said, well, it's been a tough, tough month, a couple months. And he said, oh. He says, well, what about this? Your kids, uh, you know, going to college and... I said, well, the Lord's going to provide. He leaves, comes back 10 minutes later. He's got his checkbook. And he hands the checkbook and he says, Paul, write any amount of check you want under $20,000, but just call me if it's over $20,000. i will put some more money in the bank, and, but write any check you want. Now, one of the important things about that is is to have a friend that has wealth, you know, has, I mean, I knew he had money there, but I wasn't asking or anything, but he just gave it to me. And I said, well, Terry, I can't take this. He says, you will, or I'll stuff it down your throat. He said, do you want me to stay here and write the check for $20, $20,000? I said, oh, no, no, we don't need that much. I don't care what you're going to do. I'm going to write a 20, you're going to get it, and you're never going to pay me back. And if you need it again next month, here it is. Matter of fact, keep that checkbook. Just let me know the amounts you write for. 
That's a friend. That's a friend. So uh, you have these kind of people. And so this is what happened here. These guys, they, they had one in spirit. They liked each other. They, there was something there that wasn't perfect. He didn't kind of keep it. He was way out of line. The other one I'm going to tell you about, it was we were just like each other. Competitive. We'd go running. We'd, uh, we lived over in Germany for a number of years, and, and uh, we were out on the Rhine River. We'd go run every weekend. We'd take this raw, and we'd start in. We'd talk along the way, and we both were in pretty good shape. And then all of a sudden, we got about 200 yards from the end, and he'd start pepping up fiddle fast, and I'd start going a little fast. And he said, you damn guy, come back in. You know, we're just running like this. And, and two people are getting out of the way. We're just, shh, 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 you know, we're just going like crazy. And, and he tackled me. I said, this isn't fair. And I get up and kicked him and got out. And I won. But that was the important thing. I won. And he lost. You know, so, I mean, this is the kind of nice, sweet nature we had. We love this. And we could do a lot of things together. And it just fostered. We worked on things. We, you know, it was just fun. But anyhow, what we, he loved him. He loved, I knew he loved me. I knew I could do anything. I could kick him when he's down in the fun. But he just, he would be there. We'd be there for each other. So this guy, I'll switch over to Tom. He was at the American Embassy because at that time, Bonn, Germany, was the uh, uh, capital of Germany, and it's back to Berlin now. But John, I mean, uh, Tom, was a guy that came to me. He was a, a full colonel or in the Navy. He was a captain, and he was a pilot. And he was not only the pilot, but he was the most arrogant guy who, uh, you know, these um, aircraft carrier pilots? I mean, they are just so arrogant. I think that's part of the... Anybody one of those? Oh, golly, look at there. See, just, you know he's arrogant. Be out. He, 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 he probably had a, a drinking life, you know, this thought. I've been around these guys. They just, you know, they think they rule the world. And so if they can land on a little stamp like that with these power, you know, aircraft, they think they're just uh, great. Right? Okay. And they was, oh, there he is. Okay. Well, anyhow, so Tom comes into town. One of our navigator staff led him to Christ out in Whitby Island and uh, by, in Washington, the, uh, the state of Washington, and, and led him to Christ, got him started, and then he had this assignment three years in, uh, at the embassy. So he shows up uh, with my name. The, the, the navigator rep said, well, there's a guy named Paul Stanley there in Bonn, Germany, right there where you are. It's okay. He calls me up and he says, Paul Stanley? And I said, yes. He said, Tom Maxwell here. He said, uh, I got some instructions to contact you and you're going to disciple me. Okay, all right, we'll do that. So I said, how about if we get uh, breakfast tomorrow and I at least get to know you? He says, all right, all right. And that's the way he was, you know, just strong. You know, just a, he was the good image. And, and so we started out and uh, we got to meet each other. Well, I just, I liked him. I mean, even though I was Army you know, he was Navy, and we had a lot of fun over that one, too. But anyhow, we got going. Well, what a terrific student he was. I mean, everything I gave him, we started, he'd do and study, and we'd get in there, we, you know, and he started getting the Word and, and just learning how to pray and seeing God work his life. He led his wife to Christ, left his kids, uh, led his kids to Christ. 
I mean, it was just an exciting time. We just owed each other life. You know, we were just going at it. He got to know all my family. I got to know his family. And it was just, just wonderful. Well, about a year later, after we met, I read this. And, and I thought, you know, a covenant. You know, that's really, some of my relationships have, you know, neared that kind of thing. But I like the way they, they committed. A covenant's a promise. And, and, and you know, the, the thing that I wanted to, so is, is, is if somebody I could just, I didn't have to think about whether what he would do or not do or alike or not like in a sense. I almost knew it because we talk a lot and hang out with each other and do sports and play racquetball together and beat each other up. and So all these things were going on. But one thing really caught me in this. Back in, uh, a little further up in First Samuel 23, um, David, as you remember, saw the father of Jonathan was after him, trying to kill him. He was jealous of him. He wanted him out of there. He felt he stood in the way of, of uh, him. And, and, you know, Saul was, was really losing it. And so he's trying to kill David, this very excellent person. And so they start chasing him. And he's running and David's going. And, and I noticed this. It was in the First Samuel 23 and around 14. It says, David stayed in the desert strongholds, running away. And in the hills of the desert of Ziph, day after day, Saul searched for him. But God did not give David into his hands. While David was at Horish in the desert of Ziph, he learned that, the, that Saul had come out to take his life. Isn't that just sad? Saul and Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God. I said, I need somebody like that in my life. Do you? Somebody, and this is what happened. Jo, uh, Jonathan just heard where he, David was. He knew he was being pressured by his father. He knew where he was. He knew how long he was pressured. But this guy knew it. And you know what happened? He said, I'm going to go see him because he will be, he'll need strength in God. And so he went there and got a strength. He, he strengthened him in God. Who is close enough to you and me to know when we're hurting? To know when we need something? A laugh, a talk, a walk somewhere. Or like Terry, Tom did one time, he just picked me up and, and he says, come on, we're going to go down and buy some wine. Well, I don't even drink it, but we went down and, and we bought this wine. And he just wanted to get me out because I, he says, you, you're not fun anymore. I mean, these last couple days or weeks, I mean, it's, it's, he's been working too hard. So he just took me in a run. But they strengthened. Let's go and strengthen him with God. Well, back to Tom. A year came. We were developing this friendship. I told him about this possibility, and I said to him, Tom, would you like to make a covenant and be covenant friends? He says, what kind of promise are we going to make? I said, we'll promise each other that we will, we will pray and work with and watch and encourage and protect each other so that we become all God wants us to be. That's all I, we knew to say. 
All God wants us to be as a dad, as a, as, as a navigator, as, as, a, as an army or a navy, uh, uh, you know, working in the, uh, the job he had on the embassy, in the embassy. But he told me. And, and so he reached across and he said, I want that. And that meant we grabbed our hands and here we were in a little place getting breakfast and all these Germans around and here we are and we prayed and committed ourselves to each other. Well, we also said to each other, well, how do we work this? If I see you doing something or concern about uh, that I have, how do I tell you? He says, just tell me. Sure, I can take it. Just tell me. I said, well, the same with me. I said, but now remember this. We don't have to, you know, even have little hunches. If we ask a question, it's because we're asking about we love each other. We're trying to get each other on, keep on board. He says, yeah. So one day we had breakfast and um, I had taken over a new responsibility for all of Europe, and I was running around to different places, meeting a lot of the navigator staff and leaders, and I was just going, going, going. The high school that my son was going to, he was going to the American Defense School because of the embassy there, they had this school, and he was playing basketball, and he was, he was an ex- excellent athlete, and he was really doing well. And so this big game came when... Several of the other teams, the American military teams, had, they were coming together, and he was, they were both number one. They, neither of them had left, uh, had uh, lost any games. So I got to, uh, uh, I got involved on Monday of that week, where Friday was the game. I got on uh, Monday talking to some, uh, a group of our navigators up in, and, uh, Scandinavia, and, and they were having some problems and trying to settle an issue. Well, I kept trying to solve it on the phone, and we talked back and forth. Finally, about Wednesday, I said to my wife, I said, you know, I may have to go there. She says, well, you know, you realize your son's game is on Friday night. I said, yeah, but I, this thing is liable to blow up. I think I'm going to have to go. So I go. I got up there Thursday, started to deal with it. Friday came, the son played, I wasn't there, and my buddy course, uh, Terry uh, was uh, Tom was there, and after the game they won, and my son played a, a great game, and and so uh, my uh, Ter- uh, Tom runs out in the middle, everybody's jumping, he grabs my son, and he says, "Great game, you did a great guy," but and he was gone during the week, he didn't know I was gone, and he says, "What? Where's your dad?" And when he watched my son, he said, he said, he had to go up to Sweden. He's not here. And he said, I saw something on his face. So that Monday following, I came home and we had breakfast on Tuesday. And he said, Paul, what I saw in your son, you missed it. You made, the bad, made a bad decision. And why I'm on the subject, he said, I think you've been running all over for the last four or five uh, months and you put so much into your four kids, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose it. I said, wow, that's a big one. He says, yeah, it is big. And he says, you're all over the place. And he said, um, uh, even my, I asked my, uh, your, your wife, Phyllis, and he said, you're, you're even on the phone and on the places at home. He says, Paul, you're going to lose him. Well, what do you think I should do? He says, go talk to your son, but maybe talk to your daughter. They're real close. Talk to my daughter. She says, I talked to her. I said, you know, I'm trying to think of my travel. Maybe it's too much, but I'm wondering what's going on here. 
maybe I need to cut back. What do you think about my travel? She says, well, it's pretty heavy, Dad. I said, how about that? Am I missing uh, Paul's Jr.'s um, game? He said, oh. He says, Dad, he said, uh, he cried that night because you taught him everything he knows about basketball. And he said, he wanted to see you there. He really was hurt that you weren't. I said, but he told me it was okay. He said, sure, Dad, we love you. But it wasn't okay. So I go down to Paul and I talk and finally I talk and he finally says, yes, Dad, I would have, I really wanted you there. But he says, there's more than that, Dad. I said, what? He said, um, we've lost you these last five months. You're not here mentally. You're not here. Dad, is this the way you want it to be? Because we used to do so much together. And I said, no. I'll change all of that. Well, I did. It changed an important point in his life. My daughter was 17. He was 15. As a junior in high school, I radically changed my whole tra- my whole scheduling. And when I was home, never answered the phone. Everything changed. And we had it back. All because of Tom. My question is this. Do you have a Tom in your life? A Tom that would just feel responsible. And I don't like the word accountable. I think it's, it's a weak word. People, I, I've seen guys get in accountable, uh, accountability groups and wind up having an affair with a, a woman at the same time. It's, I can tell you what I want you to hear. And then it, nobody ever checks. So I call them responsibility groups. I am responsible for you. You're responsible for me. We're going to treat it that way. I feel committed to you. So when you say, I did this wrong, I'll say to you, what are you going to do to righten it, to make it right? And then I'm going to check up on you. And then in about two or three days on the phone, I'll call you and say, hey, did you do it? Come on, get it on. Do it tomorrow morning. Talk to your wife about that tomorrow morning. Now, I'm not saying that it's all about checkup and all the rest. But I'll tell you one thing. We have a lot of fun together. We love each other. We, we do things together. But boy, do we get at each other when we need, we need to hear it. And I feel so privileged. Now, I've got three guys. I've lost two. Tom is, he went on and moved back home and I, we didn't, we couldn't, we talked to each other once in a while. But I have one local one that we just talk three or four times a week. We'll meet, we'll chat. Matter of fact, um, I just call him and he answers, Tom, and I say, hey. He goes, hey, how you doing? <laughs> so we just grunt and we know that's each other. Guys, I so covet that you have a relationships that mean something to you. I was talking to uh, Andy Stanley and uh, one time about young guys coming up, and he is a young guy, and uh, he says, what's your big check on guys that, uh, future leaders that uh, you want to uh, have around you? He says, first one, big one, are they coachable? And they seek out coaches. Boy, I thought that's a great insight. 
Because if you're coachable, that means you learn, you're open, all those things. So thanks. Let me share my heart with you guys. Get somebody in your life. Be somebody in somebody's life. That's all I pray. Well, guys, <laughs> go find a guy, right? That's what we're doing here. Um, that's what we're doing. So I pray that, um, that the net can be a place where covenant friendships can build. If you picked up at some of those stories with Paul, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes, it takes some time. And so let's just have some realistic expectations for what that is. But, Wherever you're at, casual friendships, taking it to the next, what, what does it look like to commit to the guys that are in your life? And are there those guys that you have the kindred spirits with that, uh, just a handful, cause it's not going to be much. Um, who are those guys that you really need to maybe make a covenant with? Uh, there are some guys in my life that keep me from walking off a cliff. And, uh, and that's really what we need. Some guys that are going to do that. And so I pray that that's what the net will be for you guys. Um, we're going to break in our groups. For you new guys, um, the format is we have eight topic tables. Uh, we'll, we'll put up a screen here um, where the topics are at so you guys can look around and see. Um, if, uh, if you need some direction, we'll have some guys kind of hanging out here in the middle just to, to get one-on-one with and get some feedback where to go. Uh, these are our topics. Uh, the only one that's uh, a little bit open is the brotherhood one. If you want to get connected with a guy, if you're coming and you don't have a friend, that's a good place to land to really develop more uh, maybe what was talked about tonight. And uh, the rest of them are pretty self-explanatory. This is this map kind of gives the area in the room where we're meeting. And uh, so you guys can go to it. Next week, we're going to kind of stay on the same theme. Um, we're going to hear from Greg Winters on testimony of friendship, and we're going to talk about Jonathan as armor bearer. So that's kind of a fun story. So I'm looking forward to going into that with you. So um, let me pray for us, and then you guys can break. Father, thank you for just this story tonight. Thank you, Lord, for Paul and just his faithfulness to you and his family and the friends in his life. And um, thank you for these men. I just pray for divine appointments tonight where these uh, friendships can begin to foster. We love you, Lord, and just uh, pray for your anointing on these conversations in these next few moments. In Jesus' name, amen.